welcome to Board Game Binge. The place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and today in this episode, we're chatting with Sean and Matt from 3301 Games. Together, they have over 35 years experience in the game industry and their debut title, Salvage Deep Space, is currently on Kickstarter. Sean, Matt, welcome to the binge. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having us, James. Doing well. Hello. Uh, <laughs> hey, let's start off with 3301. Where does that name come from? Well, so when we uh, were getting ready to make the jump from you know just having ideas everybody has ideas you get together with friends you play games you know everyone what ifs and you workshop stuff some people put stuff to paper pen to paper when we decided we wanted to take it serious and well frankly start uh keeping receipts and um you know taking taking things like a little more seriously and getting ready to make the leap to forming a full-on llc we started talking about names and for us you know we're going out on our own. That's a big part of the of what 3301 was for us was leaving previous careers and starting something new and um, really full time committing to the games industry. And so Sean's old football number is 33. My uh, my jersey number okay. is is one. Uh, 3301. We're betting big. We're betting on us. 3301. It's us. Oh, that's awesome. I always like like sometimes you get zip codes and things like that. I'm like, this doesn't look like a zip code. So there's got to be some other explanation. Uh, so, I mean, you guys, 35 years in, in the industry, uh, but this is kind of your first game under 3301. What were you guys doing before? What was the, the lead up to this over these past 35 years? What have you been working on? So, uh, per personally, um, you know, I've, I've done a couple of things, but um, mo most recently, you know, Matt alluded to, uh, you know, before we started doing this in earnest, kind of like former careers, and I was working for a CPA firm. Okay. And, uh, Cap, go ahead. Oh, and uh, yeah, actually, so uh, I and before I was working in major media advertising, but we, um, Sean, like our huh, our games experience that we're bringing to the table, and what I think one of the things that makes us so special is that all of Sean's professional games experience, uh, a little over ten years in total, d designing live action role playing games. Uh, okay. Story Spoken LLC, which was a company that that designed and ran uh, the legacy role playing game um in pennsylvania uh was sean's baby and wow. uh you know he led the entire mechanical development system and brings a lot of those rpg skills to 3301 and you know when i was doing major media marketing like uh it was almost exclusively games design um i actually was lucky enough to do a, an augmented reality game for nbc universal mm. uh for the oxygen network that actually very briefly uh hit number two in the entertainment section of the app store so um, and like experimenting with format and especially playing, you know, um, augmented reality and virtual reality, which are places where there's a lot lit yet to uncover a lot of, you know, development left to do experimentation, yep. innovation. Um, you know, that was something that really, uh, appealed to me. And so a big part of what 3301 really is at its core, besides just, you know, two guys who played a lot of, who have played a lot of games together and just love playing games together is, there's a lot of to to be learned from the inner immersive storytelling side of role playing mm -hmm. that can be come into tabletop, and there's a lot from iterative game design and digital game design that can come into tabletop, and so that's like a big part of what we built uh, our backbone on. 
And what made you th- move more towards a tactile, right? Uh, and I think I may know the answer because I've lot, talked to a lot of uh, um, people who have been, you know, on the digital side of, of gaming, they've moved to board games. But for you guys, what was it that attracted you more towards the, the tactile boards versus on a screen? Uh, so for me personally, you know, um, and I'm assuming shared experience, uh, cat, but, uh, really it was us sitting down together and just playing board games. And it's, it's as simple as that. And, um, we realized, um, you know, to name, to name drop a couple games when we really started to get into specifically legacy style board games. Um, you know, we didn't, we didn't live right next door to each other. You know, Mm. we kind of moved away at some point and we took some of these more involved games, um and we started using them as touch monthly touch points where we would travel sometimes three four hours and we get together with a couple other people and we just dedicate one one day a month to to get together and and play these games in person Mm. and um that was so formative and we realized it became so important to us and we had uh such incredible experiences that i think you know that that played a large part in it that um we wanted to facilitate um the same thing for others and be able to yeah. create these, these memories and experiences yeah for others it, to sean's point you know and like to facilitate it sounds trite we want to we want to keep giving it, I, i'll say give back even though but like we so you know seafall gloomhaven betrayal uh games that we have played i mean we I get notifications in my phone that say, Hey, you formed the group to play Gloomhaven four years ago. And we've been playing once a month, every month for four years. Like Mm. we, like Sean said, they've become the things that we have kind of maintained relationships around built friendships over. And uh, we think that there's more opportunity for games like that to give people opportunities like that. And we think we can, you know, very humbly, haha, think we can uh, help, help bring that about. And and we're going to, we're going to give it our best shot. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And I forgot to ask, but do you guys live near each other or are you guys? So we were apart? in college together. Yeah. I got that um, sense. Yeah. Right now, Sean is located uh, qu- quite, quite far away from the East coast. Well, not quite, not as far as you can get. Um, I, I recently moved to Minneapolis, but, okay. and, and, uh, but we yeah, grew up together in the greater Philadelphia area. So no longer close where I school. still reside. <laughs> so you guys are working on this virtually, right? Yeah, when so when um, we make a rule to uh, to try to meet to meet up once a month and work on the game in person, uh, but we work. We're, I mean, now that we're funded, this is our nine to five job. We're working on this full time every day, uh, digitally, remotely, virtually, um, and then, like I said, once a month we're traveling in person. You know, he comes to me or I go to him yeah. because there is no substitute for putting your hands on prototype assets, pushing them around a table and still having that experience that in-person collaboration that, that led us to, um, to, to, to what formed this whole thing. Yeah. The in-person is so important. Like there's, you, you can do a lot virtually, but there's certain things that are, you just, there's so much shorthand just being across the table from someone, right. Be able to throw even like a napkin or a, you know, notepad across the table and say, what do you think of this? And kind of sketch it and kind of show them as you're sketching. I mean, you can do that in a virtual environment. It's just more difficult, right? Tons. And the, there's a, an irrepressible energy that you just can't capture, uh, you know, online, even with cameras and and microphones, there's just something about collaborating with somebody in person. It's just different. It's just better. 
energy you feed off each other, right? Yeah. Yeah. So how did you come up with the idea for, for salvage um, deep space? Where, where did the idea of this come from? I'll, I'll take an initial stab. Yeah. So, um, you know, really coming out of the stuff that we talked about, right? Like, um, uh, you know, step one, what type of game do we want to create? You know, what, how can we, again, to use the word facilitate the creation of these uh, important moments, um, you know, these memories for others. And um, we wanted, you know, it, it sounds simple, but we want to create a game that we would love to play. And so um, whether it was combining genre with mechanics we're interested in, um, you know, we both are huge fans of sci-fi along with a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, we're huge fans of the legacy style format. Um, that is, you know, that, that was step one. And we just started building out from there. Um, and, you know, cont continuing to add aspects that, you know, we, we as players would love. Yeah, and it's kind of a cartoonish shorthand uh, for, for Sean and my relationship. But Sean being the very pragmatic person that he is, yeah. uh, it was just, it's fun to imagine. It's just me shouting things we both like while Sean puts them very methodically on a list. And then we rank them based on, you know, which ones are mutually exclusive. You know, we, we didn't mm -hmm. want something that was over completely overloaded with themes. And we, and you, we just found a process to whittle it down until we had all of the key components that we could, that we knew we could wake up every day and feel passionate about and get excited about and, and pour the, you know, 80 plus hours a week or whatever it takes to, yeah. to make something like this happen. And, and we did it very pragmatically. We went, we went, Hey, what are, what can we do every day and, and, and really take seriously and pour our hearts into. And if there was anything that was on that list that one of us was like, I really can't, you know, get up every day and get excited about that. Then it came off the list. Um, and when we were done, we were left with a list of qualities that described a product we would both really like if someone else made it. And that made us feel very confident that if we could stay true to that vision, we could make something people would want to play. It reminds me a lot of my uh, design process. My design partner is my brother. And we, we work on all our games together. And it's kind of that, that litmus test is he'll say something like, hey, you know what would be cool? What if, we, what if we tried this? And if my response is, hmm, maybe, uh, I don't know, <laughs> right? Or if I do the same thing, hey, what if we do this? And he's like, yeah. I could kind of see that, but unless we're both like all in, like, oh my God, that is definitely the way to go. We know it's probably not right. And we need to keep massaging, keep tweaking that element until we're both excited about it. So that's kind of yeah. cool to, uh, to see that. Uh, how long have you guys been working on this game? Like when, like when did this, the ideation, like when, when was that? Was that a couple of years so ago? That what? first, that first, Hey, what that first list building session that, yeah. Hey, what can we both get excited about? It's about two years, about two years ago. Wow. Um, I mean, it was the it was fall, two years ago. I I'd be hard pressed to tell you exactly what date it was, but it was around this time two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Story based games take a long time to develop, right? Like, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and we um, we didn't even get to the story for for I mean, almost literally at all for a full year yeah. because at the end of the day, a game needs to be fun to play. It needs to be fun to move the move the stuff around the board and yeah. do whatever the core game loop is, or n no one will ever care how how insightful and 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 compelling your story is. Uh, and so we very, you know, 
cognizantly sat down with that first. And and I think that's some, where some of the digital design background comes from like white sighting and, and, mm. and paper prototyping where it was very, it was fairly easy for us, even though we were having conversations about subject matter and themes and world building and narrative and setting and where we wanted the game to take place and all that other stuff. In a separate silo, we were able to pr- push forward on game mechanics and features of de- design features and interplay and and what we how we knew there's a whole gamified communication system that we knew yeah. was important to us and was going to take a lot of time to develop and getting that to feel seamless and easy to use and not like a chore like that was a whole separate thing that we actually kind of started with all that bo- <laughs> in big quotes boring stuff um before we got to the the really fun you know the exomechs and the cybernetics and and uh and non-biological intelligences, et cetera. I'm going to show it on the screen here in a second because, I mean, the minis look <laughs> amazing. Some Thank of the coolest minis I think I've, I've seen in quite some time. Oh, oh man. It. Um, so, yeah, we so Sean and I are a legit two-person operation. All of them, yeah. I sculpt all the miniatures myself oh, no uh, kidding. In, vir- wow. in virtual reality. Hearing you say there's some of the coolest minis you've seen in a minute, is making me low key like I blush awkwardly. Uh, <laughs> no, they're super <laughs> Thank cool. You so much. Yeah, I'm gonna show them in a second. Before I get there, is there any major thing you cut from this game when in the development? Often you see that when you go through different games iterations and so forth, you'll have like, in many cases, there'll be a major element, right? That you have in the game, and then kind of like the director cutting their favorite scene for the sake of of the movie. Is there anything you guys found you had to cut uh, from this game to kind of? Sh- you know, tighten it up and, and kind of streamline it at all. Or we have is it- two things on the cutting room floor right now that uh, I say they're on the cutting room floor because at least one of them, I really, and we, we both really want to get, uh, figure yeah. out how to get off the floor. But um, right now there is no way to play this game on your own. There's no solitaire pl- gameplay mm. because of the gamified communication element, because we spent so much time building this gamified communication element into the game and you can't, it, there's no gamified communication with yourself uh, because it's like a it's like a gamified mind reading type thing. Uh, you can't do that with yourself. And we have a lot of close personal friends who that's their preferred way to engage with with a piece like this. Mm-hmm. And it really hurt, it genuinely breaks my heart that we can't. But it's it's it, there's so much extra development to make a compelling replacement for that mechanic that right now it just isn't going to make it. And it's something that you know. I, every so ever so slightly, we, I feel like we're we're betraying people in the community a little bit because yeah. we know that 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 people like to play games that way. But it's just the nature; it's just the hard nature of game development. You know, there's just so many hours in the day and and dollars and and sometimes know. that can even be your um you know like a like a later version, right? And For sure, we talked to some developers that have done that where they said, look, there's just so much that we wanted to put in this game, but it was just it was too much. Like, like you don't need to eat the entire buffet, right? Let's, let's break this off in little chunks and then we can maybe do a 2.0 or expansion or, you know, maybe we come back for the second edition and then we can add those. So now people are familiar with the game. It's easy to add things on versus just try to fire hose all the content at them, which uh, can be counterproductive sometimes. Right. Exactly. At the expense of other things. Um, I think the only, and the the thing I'd add, um, a bit more abstract, but it's, I think, for me personally, when we talk about writing story, writing narrative, particularly in this case, interactive story, you know, you go deep in the tank, you think about like, okay, what, what am I, what are we trying to say, you know, with like a, with an expansive story? What are, you know, what do we, what do we want individuals that interact with what we have to walk away from? Yeah. And so the cutting room process there, like you, you really have to trim some stuff 
that you that you love yeah. and that you might want to say like in this setting that ultimately if you try to say everything you have nothing right and so i know again that's like a, a bit vague but that you know when it comes to the narrative there there are definitely things that like ah you know like i really think we have something there we're, we're kind of passionate about that but it, it's just not quite time or the best fit to include stuff like that yeah for sure so I want to say congrats on, on your success. Uh, I'm going to put this in Canadian dollars because that's the only way I can see it. And the numbers are always larger. Uh, you've hit about $54,000, uh, on the campaign, which is amazing. You still got uh, 60 hours to go. So people that are interested, uh, to jump in, you're in your, uh, back end hockey stick, uh, people that follow Kickstarter, you know, tend to see the, the trends, right? And the trends are first 48 hours, you get your biggest bump last 72 hours, pretty much equals what you get in your first day and then kind of you meander in between. Right. So, um, so you guys are entering that hockey stick now, which is awesome. Uh, showing on the screen here, your minis, as I said, I'm going to start off with the minis just cause they look so awesome. Uh, and then you guys actually explain the game, but these minis, this idea of these kind of exosuits, uh, with swords, I was trying to think what it reminded me of a little bit like, um, uh, well, there's so many different games like this where you have uh, video games, quite frankly, where you have exosuits. But this idea where you have these player boards and you can kind of take your character, put them in the suit and then kind of modify the suit. And I think I was reading somewhere that, you know, people, you can always wash out a suit <laughs> and put it on a different player, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, so maybe walk us through kind of the essence of how to play this game. So this starts off. This is like, uh, I guess at its root, it's a co-op skirmish, right? Sci-fi skirmish game, right? Uh, that's right and I, i'm gonna throw a couple uh buzzwords hey james but uh sure. yeah so so salvage it's, it's a, a campaign driven as we said legacy style tactical skirmish game for for two to four players and um you know not to get too deep in the weeds but it's set in the future of alternate what we hope is alternate reality space um and really um, players are going to take on the role of a highly customizable crew of what are called uh, salvage pilots mm -hmm. um you know, the setting, again, it's in the wake of like a near extinction event for humanity. And so these salvage pilots are individuals that as a crew go out um, and what's from remaining of, of soul system and humanity and try to find um, lost artifacts, lost technology, even lost, um, you know, space stations and, um, you know, kind of unravel a, a, a story. And, and so you're, you're, pilot, you're piloting these suits and, and these things take the form of, you know, a, a micro session takes the form of um, these missions where, um, you know, play out in like tactical skirmish fashion. Um, in, between these, in, in between these skirmishes, there are highly narrative events where you as a crew will be prompted to make uh, decisions that can uh, unlock uh, cybernetics, can even unlock new missions, um, can afford, uh, you meet uh, new compelling, like interesting characters, depending very much on the decisions you and your crew decide to make, you know, open door A, open door B. Um, and in that way, you know, it's very similar to, um, you know, some of the other games we've already cited. And, and uh, um, but, but yeah, that, part, that is his core is, is salvage. Go for it. Kev. It's part Space Hulk and part uh, Arabian Nights. Um, you know, you, it, it, half the time you're welding open dungeons and going inside to try and collect the loot that was inside there and hopefully, uh, not have to exterminate too many baddies to get to the loot. And, yeah. uh, the rest of the time you really are, you know, in more of a Dungeons and Dragons campaigns like way, helping navigate this choose your own adventure flow through 
the stars where you're going to meet different factions. There's a um, there are, there's one corporation that has survived the event and through an authoritarian power grab. There's left remnants of a of a power structure in the colonies of Mars. Um, you know, there we have space pirates because everybody loves space pirates. Who doesn't love space pirates? And we had to figure out some kind of exo terrestrial menace. Uh, and that's what, uh, you know, in the form of our, our Xeno Martians, which you can see in some of our art. Uh, mm -hmm. And a big part of the game that, um, you know, we, you hear us bang on a lot about is the blending of narrative and mechanics. Yeah. Uh, we really love, our, our, we think the best games are games where the mechanics of gameplay seamlessly blend with the, with the narrative of what they represent. And we we're doing that at, at every possible turn with Salvage. One of the ways we do that is with what our gamified communication system. So um, because all the because a, a salvage suit pilot is neurally grafted to their suit mm. and the suits communicate on a radio network, that enables a low level form of telepathy between the four players, the four people on a on a salvage mission. Mm. And we symbolize that with a gamified communication cycle where you can essentially bid on what you intend to do during gameplay with with um, uh, synapse tokens, and it allows other players at the table in to see where your head's at, almost literally, um, right before in, in like this snapshot moment between all of the role playing and the communicating. And what it does is it, it helps mitigate quarterbacking hugely, really empowers each player to give them a lot of agency, but it also adds gamified communication where we really do encourage you for paying attention to what everyone else at the table is doing. Mm. And then we get, we actually reward you with, um, there's a system where as you, you know, just like a team of athletes or soldiers or musicians, whenever a any group of people are working together, everyone is really on fire. Everyone's really electric. There's something that comes from that level of cooperation. We have a mechanic in the game that symbolizes that. We have these efficiencies that each suit unlocks as the, as the crew, you know, that bidding mechanic that I was mentioning earlier, as you complete those bids, if everyone in a cycle completes their bids, your team efficiency goes up by one. And if everyone mm. doesn't, it goes down by one. And that's a persistent thing that changes throughout the flow of gameplay to symbolize working together. And when it's high, you unlock passive abilities on your suit, which make, you know, so there's a cadence of like, um, in our play tests, we've noticed there's a cadence of play where when you're really working together, it's, you're almost like, okay, let's wait. We're, we're not going to open that door until we, you know, we're going to sit one sit in this, uh, you know, broom bulkhead whatever yeah. for one cycle just long enough to let those two guys finish killing those mobs so we can get our efficiency up so when we open the door we're at efficiency two and then th this is a suit called the draco which is like a looting suit it's for people who define success or failure on a mission by how much treasure you left with because you're out there and we know you're listening and we want you to buy our game um and uh it's so you know, if you have a Draco at efficiency two, whenever you pop a new door, all the loot in there is doubled. And so there comes to be this cadence of play where we really do encourage you to communicate. And we want the Draco pilot to be excited that everyone else is killing those Xenomartians because it means he's going to be more awesome when he pops the door open and gets double loot. Everybody's happy. That's a big backbone piece yeah. of our game, too, is like it, it really trying to create a trying to foster a positive environment at the table although we don't put that on any of our marketing material and you won't hear us talking about it except apparently right now yeah um, <laughs> and and just uh just to punctuate that quickly it, it's something we like to say this isn't it's not just a cooperative game it's a team game yeah. like we and that is it comes out of our experiences which we've referenced several times is we hope everyone's standing around high-fiving at, at, at watching everyone's you know micro moments throughout South a particular mission 
salvage is a win. We don't salvage is a win if two years from now you're telling a story from of, of a mission that you did. We don't. I for, I, don't, I think I may, well maybe maybe I don't speak for Sean Sean's behalf, but I don't care if you tell anyone else about the story from the narrative in the book. We're gonna make it as good as we can. We want it to be compelling. We want you to have a good time. Yeah. But I salvage will be a a, a W if people tell stories about what the cool pilot they made and the cool thing that they did. That's what we want. That's our goal. If we can create a system and an environment where those moments emerge naturally and everyone like, then we have succeeded. Yeah. Cause we're making the sandbox, but we we're encouraging you and giving you tools, make your sandcastle. It's your story. Right. And we'll yeah, put it, a sandcastle it, in the box. If you don't like, there is a sandcastle in the box. If you don't want to build sandcastles, there's a, a sandcastle yeah. kit. Well, yeah, a prefab, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It, I mean, it's super cool, and uh, I, I like what you're saying about ensuring that you you don't have kind of one person dominating the team, right? I know that's one of the biggest complaints about games like um, Pandemic, right? Where it's it's a one player game with a bunch of helpers. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then the other half of yeah. co-op games, the other flavor that co-op games take in our experience is everyone's playing the same game at the same time at the table. Yeah. And that's but but you're really playing on your own. You know, a lot of other co-op games, it's really four people playing the same game at the same yeah. time. You know, and that's not enough either. We think. No, it's crazy. So with with this, it you now you, you mentioned that there's kind of the sandbox you built, so people can kind of build on top of that. I'm sure you're thinking of this almost like a platform as well. Right. So for further iterations and so what, what is the next iteration of this? Is there like a, a 2.0? Is there like another planetary system it can evolve to or kind of where do you guys go with the story? Um, well, without getting into, without spoiling anything, there is a certain, we, w- there is a certain amount of, unfr- we haven't shown everything that happens in the box on the promotional mm. materials. I'll just say that. Like there's there's stuff in the box that that no one has seen yet that we haven't even teased. Like um, there is another shoe that has yet to drop. The box has two shoes in it. But mm-hmm. um, but we yeah but so an, a stretch goal that we didn't hit that we are probably going to figure out how to make work anyway is a homebrew kit um, mm-hmm. that that empowers home users to use all of the components that we gave you, all of the mission tiles and treasure tiles and progression pieces and dice to create your own stories. That's something that is very important to us uh, and something that we're probably gonna figure out how, even if we have to front the money for it ourselves. Um, we are, uh, that is what's next in the immediate future for salvage, unless you mean the immediate, immediate future in which what's next for salvage is PAX Unplugged in Philadelphia, come see us and say <laughs> hi. We're probably gonna have some limited edition goodies we can give away to people who show up only there. Yeah. Um, it looks like it might be the first set of pins we get. but you guys are doing this full-time now right so that like game design like you're all in right all the chips are on the table and usually in cases like that for longevity you have to be staggering your development cycle right so this is on kickstarter now but i gotta imagine there's like you've got stuff in development that's like one step behind this that you're doing are you comfortable with me talking about yeah so i'm always comfortable with you so we're work. So our second project is very different from Salvage. Um, okay. Sal- Salvage is a game intended to be played over multiple sessions, and it will evolve. And we want you to have hours and hours of gameplay in that box. Our second project, which uh, I'm not going to release the name for right now, just so no one scoops that URL up from under me, um, is the uh, 
so we were fascinated by, I'll keep this very short, fascinated by the idea that in the invention of bombs, uh, from, from the transition from bombs to guns, at some point somebody said, hey, let's take that round object that we filled with gunpowder and make it into a tube. Well, what we went, what if that never happened? What if instead they went, how do I get this round object farther over there instead of getting it in a tube? And what you would have seen was a very natural parallel development amongst athletics and warfare. And so hmm. we are going to tell a what if game where we are going to tell the, the refighting of World War I uh, in so trench warfare. But imagine instead of uh, the if the U.S. Uh, were in the style of baseball uh, uh, players. So now it is about pitching grenades into the enemy trenches and then having your batters in your grenade in your trenches hit them back. It's it's warfare hot potato being played in World, World War I in an alternate timeline where guns were never invented. That's our second game, That's crazy. Um, which is more, much more of a session-based game. And that one, that one, the a idea party is you game. Just, you party game. You just sit okay. down, you go, how many players does each of us want? Uh, how many players are we going to have? Three. Okay. How many people are we, how many, um, at, so, like athletes, soldiers, whatever. Okay. Five on five. And then we use tiles. You build how big the trench is with tiles. And mm. then you play as minis for your little guys. And then it's about, it's more card based where you, you're pitching grenades and they have a chance to bounce from other trench to trench and you can bat them back. So there's timer management. Um, it, War, World War One hot potato. That's our second game. Um, but, yeah. It's interesting. Cause I mean, that's a very different game style thematic and yet, genre. And yet, <laughs> And yet a perfect blend of narrative and game mechanics oh, using you, using yeah. the using the game mechanic of hot potato, uh, but with a narrative that is interesting and compelling and a little At weird different. and yeah. um, and it's going to allow us to do these really cool uniform designs for all the miniatures where we blend World War One uniforms and and and. Um, period accurate athletic uniforms, uniforms. and yep. it also gives us fun like okay so the brits are gonna have cricket bats right they're not gonna have baseball bats and the and the, the germans are gonna have uh, uh badminton rackets it gives us so much built-in world building to explore mm -hmm. and 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 a lot of fun stuff to kind of mine and it's a, once again it's a game that sean and i would get excited about if we were walking around a con and we saw that we'd go oh my gosh that's brilliant i love it <sighs> And let's play it. And so, if that if the, that's the box, that's the only box that matters. And if we can tick that box, uh, we're going to try to make it. That's awesome. Well, it sounds like your focus is storytelling, right? As a company, that's what you guys are about. I, I yeah, I think that it's safe to say. I mean, um, and for what it's worth, like during the development of Salvage, we've discovered another one, as as Cap alluded to, and it's min it's miniatures, and we we love miniatures so much. And I mean, I. I personally wargamed for well over a decade. I know Cap has a similar experience and um, mul across multiple war games, always had a fascination with, with miniatures and with 3D printing and you know um, the, the evolution of, of what you can do at home now. We're discovering this passion um, spearheaded by Cap um, to design our own miniatures. And so for sure storytelling and um, there won't be, I don't think many games that, that come from us that don't, you know, aren't aren't influenced by you know some sort of miniature design as well. Yeah, no, storytelling cool. in miniatures. Oh, that's, that's where amazing. you find thirty three oh one games. Story storytelling in miniatures. Well, if anybody wants to check out this game, you still got sixty hours to go. I'm going to put a link in the show notes. Uh, certainly, you can also just search on Kickstarter. Just look for Salvage, and uh, you don't even have to type in the full game name. It pops up right away. 
Uh, gentlemen, I want to wish you all the best of this game. I mean, I can't wait to Thank see you. how this lands in this last uh, 60 hours. I'm sure you're going to be very happy. I know you're already happy, but even more happy with wherever it lands. And uh, I wish you all the best in this coming year with your game designs. Thanks, Thanks so, much, so much, James. No worries, man. Take care. Cheers. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you'd like to watch these interviews live, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel, Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.